0: Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones, and I'm one of the pastors on staff. And we are so glad that you are here with us today. Well, last week, Evan kicked off our brand new series called I'd Rather Be Fishing by sharing with us uh, how Jesus called his first four disciples who were fishermen. He said to them, hey, if you want to follow me, I will make you into something. And the crowd surrounding these four guys said, yes, Jesus, please make these guys smell better. You know, I mean, that would be a miracle. No, he didn't say that, but uh, or that didn't happen. But Jesus said, hey, if you want to follow me... I'm going to make you into something. And many of us thought, hey, you know, Jesus might take these guys and and might not make them so rough. Maybe he'll make them more kind or committed or maybe even more religious or maybe even holy. Now, that would be something. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, "Um, if you want to follow me, I will make you into fishers of men. Fishers of what? Fishers of men. Fishers of people. Fishers of everyone. And so Jesus said, hey, I want you to be part of my family. And once you're in my family, I want you to help other people to be part of the family of God as well. And that's what we learned last week, that Jesus is inviting us to do that as well. Now, chances are when you heard that, that's not the reason that you became a Christ follower. It's not the reason that I became a Christ follower. Uh, For most of us, the reason we became a Christ follower was for another reason. Uh, chances are that when you became a Christ follower, it was because you wanted the forgiveness of your sins. Or maybe you wanted to uh, be in a relationship with God. Or maybe you wanted to be a better husband or a better wife or a better father or a better mother or a better person. Like, uh, you didn't sign up to be a fisher of men. Like, Jesus, we'd rather be doing something else than being a fisher of men. But Jesus said, nope, I want to make you into fisher's of men. Now, when we hear that, uh, we might push back to Jesus, or maybe we do push back to Jesus and we say, Jesus, you know, I mean, Why go fishing? You know? Why make us, you know, go after people? You know, Jesus, do you realize the times that we live in? Do you understand the perceptions of our day? Jesus, it's not popular to talk about you. It makes people feel uncomfortable. And besides, didn't you say that you wanted everyone to feel accepted? I mean, shouldn't we like respect other people's beliefs? You know, why tell someone else their beliefs are, you know, not so good compared to these other beliefs, like Jesus, you know, don't make us fishers of men, you know? Aren't those some of the objections that we come up with? Isn't that some of the conversation that we've had with God? I know I've had uh, some conversations with God why I don't want to fish. In the past, I've had this one. The one for me has been, God, I just don't know enough. Like, God, if I get into a conversation with someone, I I just might not be able to answer the questions that they have, questions such as where does evil come from or why do bad things happen in this world? Um, God, if you want me to share about you, I need to know the answers to their questions. I mean, God, if I don't have the answers, how can I share uh, with them about you, Jesus? How can I give them the answers that they're looking for? That's what has stopped me at some times uh, in my life in the past. Or maybe some of your objections are this. Maybe you just think, you know what? Just let everybody believe what they want, you know? I mean, who's to say what's right? Who's to say what's wrong? You know, we should just let them believe what they want and we'll believe what we want. I mean, why go around telling people about Jesus? I mean, most religions don't even, you know, go out and convert others. Most churches don't even send people out To share. Uh, Most Christians don't share about their faith except for the really weird ones. So, God, you know, why should we do that? Why should we go fishing for men? You know, why rock the boat? Why make people feel uncomfortable uh, in our relationships with them? Why should we do that at times in our relationships with those people? Now, aren't those some of the objections uh, that we come up with? Aren't those some of the fears that we have with people uh, in our conversations? And why does Jesus want us to become fishers of men? That's an important question to ask. Why is it? Well, today we are going to check out the question, why does God want us, or why does Jesus more specifically want us to become fishers of men? And in fact, as we check out that question, why, it might surprise some of you. As we go throughout this message today, you might see something that you have never seen before, and it could change your perception of God and Christianity. And so if you're a person who normally doesn't share their faith and kind of keep your thoughts to yourself, you need to hear this today. You're going to hear the the reason why and why Jesus wants us to share about him. If you're like a person who would say, I'm not a Christ follower, and this is exactly why I'm not a Christ follower, what you guys are talking about today, you know, uh, and I've run into some bad smelling fishermen, you know, um, hang in there, all right? Please don't tune out. Today, you'll see the uniqueness of the Christian message. You know, culture says, hey, aren't all religions the same? You know, uh, they're just different brands or they just have different rules to play by, you know, but pretty much they all point to God. Today, you'll see that that's not the case. You'll see today why the Christian message is different. And so today, it's going to be very interesting, a little different for us, because we're going to examine the question why, and why this is so important to Jesus, and why it's important for us as well. And so if you would, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to the book of Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It is the fifth uh, book of the New Testament. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the Gospels. And this is the book of Acts, sometimes referred to as the Acts of the Apostles. So be prepared. We're going to do some page flipping as this is kind of a lengthy story and we're going to jump around a little bit. But if you get lost, don't worry. We are going to put the passage up on the screens as well. But go ahead and find Acts chapter 3, verse 1. And I'll give you a second to get there. All right. As you turn there, let me uh, set up what has taken place. This is important for us to keep in mind. Jesus has been crucified several weeks prior to this, all right? And his followers scatter. And three days later, they see him, and he's back from the dead. And so after Jesus spends some time with his disciples and with others, he's about to leave for heaven. And before he departs, he says to his disciples, including Peter and John, who we're going to focus on, in a moment, here he says to them, Hey, go and tell people about what I have done. Go tell them that you have seen the Messiah. And so Peter and John, they start to go do that. They go out and they start to talk about Jesus. And that's where we're going to pick up. We're going to pick up on this confrontation that happens. And it's a really important confrontation because it reveals some things to us that we need to know. It answers our question of why this is so important. And so again, I'm going to start out in this uh, part of their story. I'm going to you know, say some things. and I'm going to summarize some things because it's kind of lengthy. And then I'm going to jump to the end and then I'm actually going to jump back to the middle of this. And so don't worry, you'll see how it unfolds and how it makes sense. So starting in Acts chapter three, verse one, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. So let me summarize a little bit here, and this is what happens. Here's this lame man who's been lame for all of his life, over 40 years, and he's like a permanent fixture to the temple. And so everyone knows him, they know uh, his situation, and um, he's out there one day strumming his guitar. Okay, maybe he's not strumming his guitar, uh, but he's out there one day, he's lame, he can't walk, and he is begging for money. And so Peter and John come up to the temple. And this guy makes eye contact with them. And he thinks that they're going to stop and give him money. And Peter stops and says, hey, I have something to give you. And the guy's like, great. What do you have? And he said, I'm not going to give you money. He's like, keep moving. Okay. Uh, I don't need any more encouragement. I have that every single day. Just keep on going. All right. But what he gives Peter, or what Peter gives to this man, is something that this man never would have expected. So watch this. Verse 6, But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Now, could you imagine? I mean, could you imagine never walking your entire life? And all of a sudden, this man comes up, says these things to you, pulls you up. And now you're standing on your own and you begin to take a step well, in fact, this guy, he not only takes a step, he starts running. I mean, he's just running. He's shouting. And he doesn't care that he's by the temple. In fact, he runs into the temple, and he's shouting. Everyone knows him. Everyone knows his situation. And they start to say, what in the world is happening? How has this happened? And this man, who was formerly lame, uh, runs up to Peter and starts to shake him and says, this man has healed me. And everybody gathers around. There's this huge crowd around Peter. And Peter, seeing the opportunity, all of a sudden gets up and he gives this message. And he gives this amazing message that points exactly how this miracle has been done. It's been done through the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And now some of the religious leaders, they start to hear the commotion. So they go on down to see what's going on in the temple. And they go on down. They see Peter and they see John. They know that those two guys were former disciples of Jesus, What are they doing here, you know? What are they saying? Why are they talking about Jesus, especially in the temple? And so they want to get to the point and they want to understand what these guys are doing. So this is what they do with them. They say in chapter 4, verse 1, While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. And so they arrested them, and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. And so the next day, after Peter and John spend the night in prison, These hotshots, these religious leaders, gather and they let Peter talk. And Peter gives this second mini-sermon. We'll end with that. We'll come back to that. It's really important. But as they listen to Peter and John, they're perplexed. I mean, they don't know what to do. You know, they—they're like, "What are we going to do with these guys?" And so they go out and they talk about and they say, "Well, you know, we'll—we'll give them a warning, all right? Um, Because we don't know what to do. What they have said is just." I mean, we don't know how to say anything back to them on this point, and we'll, we'll get to that. And so they say, well, you know, maybe because they spent the night in jail, that will be enough for them, so we'll let them off with a warning. And so they called Peter and John back in, verse 18. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Now, <laughs> Again, these religious leaders, they don't know what to do, you know. They've got a guy Who's been healed? They've got these disciples who continue to talk about Jesus. So the only thing that they know what to do is to command them to be silent and not to speak about Jesus. You know? Isn't that ridiculous? You know, when you think about it, we kind of come out of the story for a second, you know? I mean, think about that. You know, they had no clue what to say to these guys, what they did. I mean, they did something amazing, they did something good. And so they say, don't speak. In the name of Jesus. But we get that. We understand that. In our culture today, you know, we do tons of great things. And they say, that's great, you know, Um, thanks for doing those things, but don't talk in the name of Jesus. Just kind of keep that at home. You know, even though your life has been changed and your life is really good, you know, just don't say anything. Isn't that what happens? Even though lives have been changed, things are doing really good for people, and good things are being done. Well, listen to what uh, Peter and John and how they reply. So they say this, verse 19. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Whew, that's bold, right? Yeah. And uh, just to give you a little side note here, I mean, remember, all right, you've got these religious leaders, you've got Peter and John, I mean, they worship the same God. They, like, believe in the same God. They would say, hey, God has worked in history. We have the same ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are on the same page, except for this one thing. Peter and John want to bring Jesus into the equation. And why is that? And that's important, and it answers our question, So let's see why they want to bring Jesus into the equation. Verse 20, Peter and John said, we can't stop telling about everything we have believed. Nope, it doesn't say that, does it? We can't stop telling about everything because we have a different belief system. Nope, that's not what they said. You know, their theology, it wasn't their theology versus the religious leader's philosophy or beliefs or arguments or anything like that. Peter and John said, we can't stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Wow, that's different, okay? Basically, they're telling these religious leaders, you know what? We didn't make this up. We didn't create something new. Um, We didn't add a chapter to Judaism. We saw something. We heard. We have seen and we have heard from Jesus, And the religious leaders, they didn't know how to respond. I mean, that was different. I mean, this comparison wasn't like apples to apples. This comparison was apples to oranges. This was different. This wasn't a belief argument. This wasn't a religious argument. This was different because John and Peter had seen and heard. And that's important for us to understand, You know, when we talk about Jesus or when we think that we have to talk about Jesus, don't we make it often feel like a class on comparative religions, you know, that I believe this and no, I don't believe that and everything. And we think we have to argue about Jesus. We think we have to get into some kind of debate about Jesus. But being a Christ follower is not about knowing enough information, It's about believing that something happened. Something happened in history. And we can't explain everything and we can't refute everything, but something happened. Something happened 2,000 years ago that changed history and we're still talking about it today. See, this isn't an intellectual argument. This isn't like a religious argument. This is, did something happen? And Peter and John said, yes, and we have seen and we have heard. And just imagine this, you know, imagine what is it that changed Peter and John so much? What did they see and hear that would change the way that they grew up? You know, what was it that changed them so much? Remember, a couple weeks ago, you had Peter who denied Jesus three times when he was arrested that night and he cowered in the corner and there were people who were like hey weren't you with Jesus you know and he's like no I wasn't with Jesus what changed Peter so much what did he see and hear that now he is going toe to toe and he's being bold with these top religious leaders of the day you know what changed Peter and John so much what did they see and hear that eventually that eventually they would suffer, that they would be tortured, that they would be imprisoned for it. What almost cost them their lives at times, and eventually did cost Peter his life. You know, he was eventually crucified for standing up and saying, Jesus is the reason I'm standing. And what about uh, John as well? John was banished to an island and isolated to live there the rest of his life for what he believed. What was it? That they saw, what was it that they heard that changed them? It wasn't an intellectual change. It wasn't a belief change. What drove them was what they saw and what they heard. And so let's continue on to see why they were so bold and how that plays out for us as well. Chapter 4, verse 5. So now we're backing up to this middle part of the story. And this is really important. So the next day, after they had been arrested for preaching the temple and for healing the the man, the council of of all the rulers and elders and teachers of the religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. What? Annas was there? If you were reading this back then, if you were talking about this, you know exactly who Annas is. Uh, He's the high priest. He's the one who could go into the Holy of Holies where God resided. You remember the movie, like Raiders of the Lost Ark? The Ark was in there. And if you touched it, well, maybe your eyeballs didn't pop out, but you you died, all right? It was real, it was there. And Annas was the high priest. And if you touched the Ark, you did die. That was part of the things that were going on. And then Annas, the high priest was there along with Caiaphas, who's Caiaphas? Caiaphas is the one who ultimately had Jesus arrested. And he's the one who was there when they brought him to him. And he started to question Jesus. And there were others, John and Alexander. We don't know who they are, but they would have been top religious leaders of the day. And if we were part of this and had read this back in that day, we could have went to John. We could have went to Alexander and asked them, did this happen? Is this true? What happened here with Peter and John? And so there were other relatives. And pretty much you've got all these head honchos who were involved when they condemned Jesus. So these top religious leaders, they bring in Peter, and they bring in John. And they say, hey, we know that there's this guy who has been lame since birth, and he is running around. And we want to know, how did you guys do this? What happened? Tell us. We're we're going to give you a chance to tell your side of the story. And I love Peter's response, okay? And this is why I saved it for the end. So listen, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we have done a good deed? And if you think that's a little jab, it is a little bit of a jab from Peter. Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Like, really, guys? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you, and here comes the uppercut, and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. So basically Peter is saying, hey, you want to know how we did this? You want to know whose power and whose name we called on? It was the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, and everybody in the room would have hushed. I mean, they know exactly who Jesus is. He was in their presence. And so they knew exactly who Peter was talking about. And Peter doesn't stop. He goes on. He says, the man that you crucified, and it would probably, you know, shook him a little bit there. And he probably pointed at Annas and probably pointed at Caiaphas and some of the other top religious leaders because they were all there. You remember, this wasn't like a couple years ago. This was just a couple weeks ago that they had condemned Jesus, that they broke their own laws, that they brought false testimony against Jesus. And so they were aware and they were just sitting back and listening. And Peter continues, he says, that this lame man was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified. We did this miracle in the name of Jesus who you killed. And there was silence. And Peter went on, but whom God Raised from the dead. Now, Peter's saying to them, you know, you know why we can't be quiet? You want to know why we can't be quiet? It's not because there's some like new belief, there's not some new argument or anything like that. We can't be quiet because we and all of you, all of you, saw Jesus crucified. And we saw him raised to life. I mean, John and I, we ran to the tomb. And we wanted to see for ourselves. And we looked in an empty tomb and we could not find him. And you guys, you guys searched for him and you couldn't find him as well. You know well, the reason we can't be quiet is because we saw him crucified. We saw him come back to life. And he, we have seen him since. That's the reason that we can't be quiet because of what we have seen and what we have heard. And they went, whew, And in that moment, kind of Peter lays in and gives one final blow. And I'm gonna kind of try to say the power of what he says in this next statement. So let me set it up for you. In that moment, he says to them, hey guys, you remember. You remember that verse that we all learned as kids? You know, Psalm 118, 22? You remember in that passage, it talks about uh, the people rejecting the stone and God was going to take that stone and build his house upon it. You know, like, he's going to, you know, regardless of the people rejecting the Messiah, you know, God was still going to take that stone and use him as the cornerstone to build his house. You remember that passage? And all of us always wondered, like, you know, who could do that? You know, like, what person could reject the Messiah? Well, congratulations, Annas and Caiaphas and the whole lot of you, you know, you're famous. You're going down in history. You guys are the ones who rejected the Messiah, who were right, who was right in front of you. But guess what? He even wants to forgive you as well. Your Savior, your Messiah. And if you're wondering where I got this, check it out, all right? In verse 11, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures, Peter's saying this, where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And they're thinking, the cornerstone? The cornerstone for what? And Peter continues, verse 12, and this was new for them. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And the leaders are thinking, salvation is not found in a person. I mean, it's found in killing animals and sacrifices for sin. You know, it's found in, you know, the right behavior and performance. You know, how can salvation be found in a person? And Peter said, No, God has made it clear. Salvation is found in one person, it's found in Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, whom you killed whom was raised from the dead and who has been seen and heard. And that's why we know it is true. Man, the members were quiet. Watch what they did, verse 13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say to them. And so they decided to let them go and became part of history. Do you know why we fish? The reason that we fish is that the message of salvation is grounded in history. It's not grounded in experience. It's grounded in history. The reason that we share the message of salvation isn't because we can sit under some tree and kind of reason it out or think it out. You know, maybe some of us have, you know, gone out there and concluded, and we can do this, that there is a God. Many people have done that. You know, maybe we come up with the conclusion that there is good and that there is evil. Or maybe we come to the conclusion that there is an eternity after this life. Many of us believe that. There's something in our hearts that says there's something more than this life. Many of us have come to the conclusion uh, at times that, man, there must be this good God, you know, and he surrounds himself with good people, but the wrong conclusion that we come with is that we have to perform or something in order to attain something. Many religions have done that. But there is one religion that says That salvation is found in a man, a man who came over 2,000 years ago, a man who has been seen and heard from, from the dead. The reason that we share our faith is because it's part of history and history has to be told and history has to be heard. We don't think like we're better The reason we tell our story is because someone else has told us as well what has been seen and heard from day one. And so there have been billions of people who have heard of what has happened. There have been many people's lives that have been changed, changed just like this lame man's life, you know, for the good for something that is great and his life has been changed forever and our lives have been changed forever. And, you know, when we hear that Jesus died for us, isn't there something that no matter where we're at in life just says, you know what, that sounds right. I can't explain it, but it does touch my heart. You know, I, I, I don't know why it touches my heart, but it just happens. You know, when I hear that God sent his son, that Jesus died for us and died for everyone's sins and anyone can come to him and say, God, would you forgive my sins and become part of his family? That is such good news. There's no performance. There's no standard. There's no like, hey, do I need to do 50 things in order to be right with God? We just have to simply believe what has been seen And what's been heard. And that is amazing. And so I don't know how that hits you this morning. You know, maybe some of you who are not Christ followers, you're just kind of like, you know what? I I don't know. That just makes sense. You know, it it just hits me. You know, I've never thought of it like that. And so today, we're going to, in a moment, close in a word of, uh, in in a song. And if you've never said, you know what, God, it's, I can't refute it. I can't explain it, but that just makes sense. You need to just echo those things back to God. You need to just say, God, during this song, God, thank you for sending your son. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. And would you forgive me of my sins? I want to be part of your family. Would you be my savior? And when you do that, your life is changed. And for some of us, you know, maybe we've just never realized why this is so important, that it is based in history. It's not something that's been made up. It's not a belief. It's not a theological argument. It's something that happened, and we're still talking about it today. And so would you just simply during this song say, God, you know what? I've just never thought of it like that. Wow, the Christian message is just unique, and I need to start telling others about you. And so, God, would you use me? Would you make me into a fisher of men? Jesus, like you said, I want to make you into fishers of people, fishers of men. And for some of you, maybe you used to, like, you know, tell people about Jesus, but maybe you got wrapped up in stuff, and it's been a while, and you're like, man, you know, I need to hear that today. Would you, during this song, just simply say to God, God, you know what, would you give me eyes to see? Would you give me ears to hear about those people that need to hear about you? And here's a real practical step for all of us, okay? In three weeks, it's about to be Easter, and so many people are willing to come and see for themselves, to hear for themselves of what God did. And so would you today, on the way out, we're gonna give you some cards. Would you take those cards, and would you personally invite someone to come and see and hear for themselves? Someone took a risk on us. As Evan mentioned last week, you know, who was it that introduced us to Jesus? So who can you invite? Who can you personally reach out to as God has reached out to us? And so would you invite someone in three weeks to come to hear for themselves? So I'm gonna close this out in a word of prayer. And during this song, would you just simply talk to God? Wherever you are at, would you just simply talk to him? If you're not there, that's, that's fine. If you just say, God, I'm gonna continue and check out history, that's great. There are so many things about Jesus and history and it's worth the investigation. So let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. So Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for who you are. God, thank you that you are a God of history, that you personally came to show us exactly who you are. We're still talking about what happened. There are so many people, 500 people, who weren't in your followers who saw you and couldn't remain quiet. Thank you for Peter and John, who you changed because you showed up to them, it changed their lives. God, you have changed so many lives throughout history and you've changed them for good. We're not to be about ourselves. We're about to be be about others, helping them, loving them. That's a great message. But may we go further, God, and may we introduce them to you, Jesus, as someone introduced us to you. And so, Father, I just pray Uh, For us, give us your boldness, give us your confidence to be fishers of men. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.